Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, well, good morning. It's been a busy week. I don't know about for you, but uh, uh, it has been nonstop. And yesterday was a refreshing day. I had a chance to uh, uh, meet with a group of men that call themselves the Legacy Builders. Do we have any Legacy Builders in the house? Woo! All right, amen. And um, here's what's interesting is, it is great to surround yourself with a group of men who love God and love each other and aren't ashamed of that. And so yesterday we had a great time um, and I learned a game called bocce ball. <laughs> and here's what I learned about bocce ball and that was that you don't have to be good at bocce ball, you just have to have a partner that's good at bocce ball. <laughs> All right, and so TJ, thank you. I know I got heavy there yesterday, but we were the champions in the first game, and so uh, we had a blast, and then um, I had to leave there and had the opportunity to uh, meet with a group of, from our church. Church, I just want to say thank you. You are so generous. You know, uh, last week I put out the call that there was an opportunity for us to provide some beds for uh, some families that had need for those. And you stepped up to the challenge, and over the last eight days, we have been able to put eight beds in the homes. Um, so thank you all very much. And, and so you saw Ron up here with the uh, table. Uh, Ron is a Marine, and, and I'm um, Air Force, and so we, we were, I was joking that he was bringing the brawn and I was bringing the brains. Um, <laughs> And he said he was running out of brawn, and I said, I'm definitely running out of brains. So uh, we had a great time yesterday. And so thank you, those that came out and helped us uh, uh, put, bless that family. Uh, thank you for those who gave uh, to make sure that we were able to get those beds. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, God, I just thank you that today we get to celebrate the Friend Day. Lord, we know that you are our friend. You tell us that. Sometimes, Lord, we don't act like it, but God, it is so refreshing to know that you are faithful. And Lord, I just ask that your message would be heard, that the hearts would hear what you have prepared. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, our nation set aside some time to think back to um, 18 years ago and 18 days when... Tragedy happened in New York City when terrorists uh, hijacked some planes and flew them into a building. And the way that we experience life here in America has changed from that date. And so um, I came across a, um, it was a telephone message that uh, Brian Sweeney had left with his wife. I just want to share with you what he said in that. And he said, I'm on an airplane that's been hijacked. 
if things don't go well and they're not looking good, I want you to know that I absolutely love you. I want you to do good, have good times. Same with my parents. I'll see you when you get here. I want you to know that I totally love you. Bye, babe. He was on United Airlines Flight 175. That was the plane that was flown into the second building. He didn't get to meet his wife later. But you know, um, when we have that opportunity, when we know the end is near and we want to reach out to our loved ones, you know, we don't go back and talk about all the, the bad things. We talk about the good things and we want them, we want them to have a future. And if to, we want them to have a future of hope. Because of the events of that day, seven years later, I found myself in Afghanistan. And about every third or fourth day, I would check the mail and I would have a, a love letter. You still smell the perfume on it. You, you look closely enough, it had its a seal on there for me. And so I would open up those letters that came in the mail, and they usually would start off, Hey, babe. That's what she calls me. I won't read you the rest. But what I want to tell you is that I read these letters over and over and over again. I know they said the same thing. They didn't change. As much. Even if I wanted them to, they didn't change. Same words. But each time I read them, I got something else. I don't know if you realize this or not, but... Did you ever hear about, uh, in high school, people have secret admirers? You know, and usually a friend comes up to you and says, Hey, I know somebody that likes you. <laughs> and we, you would say, Who? And I, oh, I ain't telling you. You guess. You know, they, they want to get you on the record, and you're going to be in trouble. Because if you don't guess the right names, uh, they're going to let you know about that. Well, um, I want you all to know today that everyone in here as a secret admirer. They may be the person sitting beside you, but I believe that every one of us has a secret admirer, whether you realize this or not. And, and the, the, he wrote you a love letter. The love letter that he wrote you consists of 66 different books. These 66 different books were written by 40 different authors. It was penned over a period of 1,500 years. It was written in three different languages, on three different continents. You know what's amazing about this though is that there's one single story. There's one message. And what's really amazing is that given all of those variables, there are no mistakes. There are no contradictions. And everything that we see in this book we found is historically reliable. Today I want to share with you just a couple of of the things that your secret admirer wants you to know. And the first thing I want to talk about is your past. We all have one of those, you know that? Sometimes we'd like to forget about them. Sometimes we wish they didn't happen to us. But the reality is they have. They did. And we can't undo it. Well, let me tell you what your secret admirer says to you. And um, if you turn in the, your, your love letter to the book of John in the 10th chapter... 
And I'm going to read the 10th verse, and it says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Now, the thief doesn't care about you one bit. Doesn't care what you look like, doesn't care where you work, doesn't care who your family is. The thief doesn't care anything about you. The thief only wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Yesterday afternoon, I found out that there was a thief in the neighborhood that stole two of our bikes. Well, I started feeling sorry for myself and beating myself up for, for not securing them properly. And then I thought, just last week, Ron and Mary Biggs, their son, had came home for lunch. And he encountered somebody, a thief, in his house. And the thief tried to kill him. And luckily, it was just a graze on his temple. You see, the, the thief, a lot of times, you, you'll hear people say that the, the thief is Satan. And, and make no mistake about it, Satan probably um, is interested in steal, kill, and destroying. But really, I would tell you that this isn't referring to Satan in this verse, what, what, what Jesus was sharing. What it was talking about, because Satan himself, he, he would be happy if we just stay fat, dumb, and happy. Because if we're fat, dumb, and happy, we're not doing, we're not lifting the name of Jesus up. And instead, what we find ourselves doing is thinking only about ourselves. But that's not what Jesus said. Matter of fact, what Jesus said was that I came that they may have life and they might have it abundantly. Now, I don't know about you, but um, it, most of us probably have not experienced abundant life. Abundant life is one that is overflowing, one that is fulfilling. It's full of faith. It's full of hope. It's full of love. You have no shortage of joy or peace in your life. And if I were to go around and we were to sit across a coffee table and you were to tell me about your past, you would probably tell me more about the enemy. You would tell me more about the thief that's been in your life who's been stealing, who's been killing, who's been destroying, and less about your secret admirer who loves you and who says that I want you to experience abundant life. Well, he doesn't just tell us about our past. You'll also find out if you turn over to Matthew chapter 11 in verse 28, he tells us about our present. And here's what your secret admirer says about your present. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You know, as... I don't know if you've ever been through one of those seasons of life, and that season of life may be a day long, it may be a week long, it may be a month long, it may be years long. But have you ever had one of those seasons where it just seems like life just kept hitting you? Every time you stood up, it'd knock you down. Probably all been there. You know, when I think of the word weary, I go back to Afghanistan, and I think about going around with... Uh, the pack on, and, and usually that added 50 to 70 pounds based on which ammunition and which weapons we were carrying. And I recall when we would get back into the camp and we'd get into a, a safe area, we would just release that and let it hit the ground. Why? Because we were weary. 
Our bones, joints, everything was hurting more than it ever hurt before. You know, I have no doubt that there's many of you that are here today and you know what it's like to be weary. You know what it's like when life throws health challenges at you. And just when you think that you've mastered one of those health challenges, it introduces another health challenge to you. And just as soon as you are told that you're free of cancer, a couple years later, they tell you that it's back. And just when you find out that, that everything is good in your life, health-wise, you find about someone in your family that now they have to go through that battle. Maybe it's not health, maybe it's finances. And so it gets to the point where you don't even want to pay the bills, whether or not you have the money. And if it's not finances, it's relationships. And you're just tired. And you're just weary. You've given everything that you can to this relationship or these relationships. And it seems that no matter what happens, it always turns out the wrong way. And maybe you reach that point where, like Josh, you feel hopeless. What's the matter? Why am I going forward? Maybe it's not weary that would describe you. Maybe it's that word burdened. Maybe the burden that you're carrying around is debt. You hear that what the national average of debt in America is, and you're like, I wish. You're like, I think I raised that a couple points. Maybe it's not that it's your debt. Maybe it's guilt that you carry around because of what the thief has done in the past. And yet you bring it today into the present. Maybe it's just baggage. Anybody? No, no, don't raise your hand. But did anybody walk in here with some baggage? Yeah. You know what? It's invisible. Nobody can see it. But just like when I was in Afghanistan, just like when I could get in there and I could let that off and let it fall down to the ground, maybe, just maybe, while we were worshiping earlier, you had the opportunity where you've let that burden go. You've dropped the baggage. Nobody heard the thud, but there was a definite thud. But you know what's going to happen when the service is over? Some of you are going to walk out of here and the baggage is going to stay in this worship center. But most of you are going to pick it back up, put it back on, and walk back out into the parking lot. But see, that's not what your secret admirer says. What your secret admirer says, if, if you're weary, and if you've got a big burden that you're carrying around, I will give you rest. You know, when it says the word rest... I don't think, see, we think veg. Has anyone ever got home? I'm being careful, we do this. We're like, you know what, we're just going to veg out tonight. That means we're about to binge watch something. It doesn't matter what it is. And we think that that's going to distract us. Has anybody ever vegged out like that? All right, so, so we're not the only ones, honey. But that's not what the Bible means. Jesus didn't say, come and I'll give you a chance to veg out. This hour that we spend here in church is not a time to veg out. When, when, when the word rest is used here, what it really means is that it wants us to have a fulfilled life. Peace. 
You know, a lot of times we think about peace and it's just the absence of conflict. But no, peace is when, you know, there's milk and honey, when there's a lot of money in the bank account, when the relationships are all healthy, when life is good. See, that's what Jesus means when he talks about rest. He wants us to have a fulfilled life. And he doesn't want us to have it tomorrow. He wants us to have it today, right now, in our present. But see, most of us, we don't embrace this, and instead of resulting in rest, we have what's called restless. And so just when the day ends, and we lay our heads down on our pillows, and it's time to go to sleep, the last thing you can do is sleep. Because now, while your body physically is not doing anything, your mind starts turning. And you start ruminating. And you start thinking. And they think about it again and again. And guess what? None of that thinking changes anything. And if you want to stop being restless at night and letting your mind just run you ragged, you need to reread this verse. Because at the very beginning, it says, come to me. You see, the problem is most of us, we want the rest, but we don't want to do what it says, and that is come to Jesus. We want the rest, but what we mean is we want you to give us the job that we want. We want you to put money in our bank account. We want you to make all of our relationships, no matter how we behaved in the past, for them to be wonderful. But that's not what God said. Jesus Christ said, come to me. And if you read a couple more verses, he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, now when we think about that, especially in farm country, we're thinking about some oxen and they get this yoke and they got to pull. That is not the yoke that was being referred to. The yoke is, that Jesus was referring to is my teaching. He says, because my burden is light. The burden that you brought in here, if you will leave it and you will come to Jesus and allow him to give you the rest, your burden will be light. But you know, he didn't just stop there with our present. He also tells us about our future. Do you want to hear what the, your secret admirer says about your future? Amen. If so, turn over to the book of Jeremiah in the 29th chapter, in verse 11. And I'm going to read this to you, and it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Who knows the plans? God. God knows the plans. I've seen one of those bumper stickers that said, God is my co-pilot. I'm like, I'm not riding with them. I don't, look, I don't want God to be my co-pilot. And matter of fact, the problem with most of our lives is we made God our co-pilot. We need to let God be the pilot. And I don't care if I'm the co-pilot, I'm in the first row, or I'm in, as long as I'm on the plane that God's flying, I'm going to be okay. And I'm here to tell you that it's not just me. Your secret admirer says the same thing for you. Matter of fact, what the secret admirer says is that he has plans that are good. He has plans for you to have a fulfilled, a peaceful life. Now, what's interesting is that looks a little different in the Christian walk. But he clarifies it and he says, these plans are not for disaster. They're not for evil. They're not to turn your life upside down. See, that's what the thief is doing. And most of us, we let the thief in. 
What Jesus was saying, and he was referring to, he was the shepherd, and he was the gate, and the thief sneaks over the wall and steals the sheep, kills the sheep, destroys the sheep. That's not what God's plan for you is. God's plan for you is to have a life filled with hope. Folks, I don't know if you realize, but when we were singing that earlier, it's the only hope that's true, the only hope that's lasting is the hope that God provides. And he provided it through his son, Jesus Christ, your secret admirer. Now you probably look at that and you say, well, you know what, Jeremiah probably had a good life. But what you don't know is when Jeremiah wrote these words to the children of Israel, they were captives in Babylon. They were in Iraq. They were slaves. And while they were slaves, God said to them, I've got plans for you that are good. I've got plans for you that are not for a disaster. I've got plans for you to give you hope. But you know, most of us will never experience what that hope looks like. So, so let me do this. Let me share a, a Bible story with you that kind of illustrates this. First uh, Samuel in chapter 16, um, the story is, and I won't read, I just want to tell this to you. First um, Samuel 16 says this, that uh, Saul, the king at the time, had been rejected by God because of some actions that he had made. And Samuel was the prophet, and God told him, quit your moping about Saul. What I need you to do is I need you to go to Jesse the Bethlehemite and I need you to anoint one of his sons that I'll reveal to you. That's going to be the king that's going to replace Saul. And then uh, Samuel's having a conversation with God. He says, well, what if Saul finds out? Think about that. God's talking to him, telling him, and he's worried about Saul. He's worried about what is this king going to, because he's worried about his head. He was thinking about the thief. And God said, take a sacrifice, go in peace. And so as he approaches the city, they they see Samuel, the prophet, coming. And when the prophet came, it usually wasn't good news. And they asked him, do you come with bad news? He says, no, I just come to offer a sacrifice. And so at this point, the whole city would kind of rally around this. They would have a bit of a festival. And then Samuel tells Jesse that I need to see all your sons. And the first son started coming up, and it was the oldest son. And, and Samuel saw him and said, yeah, this is probably God's guy. He was tall, strong, and handsome. And God told Samuel, don't you dare look on the outward appearance, because I look on the heart. So it wasn't the oldest son, and they bring the next son. They go through seven brothers. And he says, hey, is this all the sons that you have? He goes, no, the youngest one's out tending the sheep. And when he said that, that was a hint for Jesse to go get his son. But Jesse didn't want to go get his son. So finally, Samuel says, look, we're not doing anything else. Stop, stop playing the music. Stop serving food. Let's, until I see this son, we're not doing anything else. And so finally, they go and they get David. And God tells Samuel, this is the one. And he anoints him, pours the oil on his head. Let me share with you three points that I want you to take away from this. And the number one is this, that God can overcome your past just like he did in David's. 
Now, you know, a lot of us don't realize what David's past was. We just think, we take for granted he was the youngest son, he was out there taking care of the sheep. But I want to submit to you that I think it was a little bit more sinister than that. Because if you recall, in Psalm 51, David writes a psalm and he says this, In sin did my mother conceive me. Now, um, if you don't understand the rest of this that I'm about to share with you, you automatically assume the, the, the fact that we as, as humans are born in depravity. But if you go back to Genesis 38, you'll hear, read a story about one of David's great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers named Judah. And Judah was walking along the road and he thought he was propositioning a prostitute and it was his daughter-in-law that he had betrayed. She gets pregnant and through her line, we finally get to Jesse and David. Now, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's a, a passage that tells us that the sins of the father pass on to the third and fourth generation. I think Jesse had the same problem that Judah had. I think Jesse had gotten somebody pregnant that wasn't part of the family. And that's why David was out tending the sheep. Jesse was a rich guy. He didn't need his son tending sheep. He could have got him the very first time. But not only do we see that God overcomes the past that David had no reason to be responsible for. It was the actions of his father. But you also see that God is with us in the present. Because what did he do? Even when David's own father had rejected him, God said, nah, -uh. this is the one who's going to be the king. Regardless of what his past is, regardless of how he came into this world, regardless of what you think of him, Jesse, you see, I see his heart. Well, not only that, but God has a future of hope for us. Listen to this, in spite of ourselves because what you don't know and what no one else knew was that David was going to go on to be an adulterer not only was he going to be an adulterer he was going to be a murderer yet God knew that and God still called him a man after God's own heart you see thankfully your secret admirer he sees our hearts sometimes that's bad news for us So as I read and reread and smell the letter, still smells pretty good. Why? Because I know the person who wrote this loves me. Well, I'm here to share with you today that the person who wrote this book loves you too. And you need to Treat it just like I treat those little love letters. I don't know if you, your Bible smells different than the next one. But it might not hurt you to find out. It certainly wouldn't hurt you to reread what he says about your past, what he says about the present, what he says about your future. And what's amazing is that he does this from cover to cover.
There's a saying that the only difference between you today and you five years or ten years from now are the books you read and the people you meet. Boy, there's a good book that I can recommend to you. It'll change your life. On October 13th, we are going to be starting a new series here called 40 Days in the Word. You can read it there. We're going to love the Word, we're going to learn the Word, and we're going to live the Word. And so for, uh, I'm going to teach six different principles on how to study the Bible, how to pull out those words, just like I was doing it on my love letter. I want you to do this on your love letter. If you would, turn in your Bibles to one more passage. It's the book of Hebrews. I'm just going to read three verses to you very quickly. It says, Therefore, while the promise of entering this rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them. Why? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said. The love letter that God wrote to you started a long time ago. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that it started from the foundation of the earth. You know, I've heard people say, how could a loving God, how could this secret admirer send somebody to hell? It's a good question. Why? Why would somebody who loves you as much as we're told that God loves us, why would he send anybody to hell? And here's the truth. Here's the reality. That he knew that none of us were able to live up to his standard. Instead of condemning us, what he did was he left heaven and he took our sins on him. Maybe one of the most famous Bible verses that most people know is John 3.16. And John 3.16 says these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Your secret admirer loved you so much that he did what he knew you could not do. He knew you couldn't live a perfect life. He knew you'd never reach that level of righteousness. And so what he did was he took that on. He left heaven. I don't know if you understand what he did. He came to this earth. And fully a man, he lived a perfect life. And one day, they hung him on a cross. And I'm here to tell you that it wasn't the nails that held him to that cross. It was his love for you. If you would, go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. And just, just listen to me as I talk to you for a few minutes. If you've come into this building today and you have never established a relationship with Jesus Christ, don't leave today without doing that. It's very simple. It's called, uh, really, you just need to understand A, B, and C. A is this. 
of sin. You have to admit that. I'm certainly a sinner. And then not only do you admit that you're a sinner, but you have to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, came to this earth, died on a cross for your sins. And then the C is you have to confess that. If that's you today, raise your hand. Just let me see this. Don't Everyone else is minding their own business. Go ahead and put those down. Now just listen to me if you just raise your hand. If you want to take God up on his offer and have him come into your heart, it's, it's very, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. Now, folks, it's not saying this prayer in your head. It's not saying this prayer out loud. It's saying it from your heart that matters. See, just like God knew David's heart, God knows your heart. And so here's the prayer I would pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that the penalty for my sin is death. But I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died for my sins. He was rose from the dead and today sits at the right hand. God, I confess. I believe. Amen. If you just said those words in your heart, my friends, you have experienced new life. I would encourage you before you go home today, uh, there are cards. Fill one of those out and let me know that you made that commitment to Christ so I can reach out to you and share some more information with you. Maybe you came into this congregation today and you have a relationship with God, but you have struggled with the thief and what the thief has been doing in your life where he's been coming in and stealing and killing and taking away. If that's you, will you raise your hand and allow me to pray for you? Lord, you see those hands that are raised. You see those people that are hurting. You see those that are, Lord, they're looking for the rest that you've promised. God, I pray that as they come to you, that you would give them that rest. Maybe you come in today. Maybe you feel a lot like the way Josh explained. You feel hopeless. I'm here to share with you. You don't have to be hopeless. The hope is Jesus Christ. If you would, everyone, please stand to your feet and look, look up this way. None of us need to leave this building hopeless today. No one. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what the situation, no matter how bad things seem to be, our Creator, our God, our Savior says He's got different plans for you. My friends, if you, if you listen to the thief, your life is going to take a certain path. If you listen to the Savior, if you listen to your secret admirer, if you'll receive the love that He is willing to just pour out on your life, He'll change your future. But it's up to you. You've got to come to him. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much that you have written us a love letter. You wrote it with the blood of your own son. God, I ask that, that we would hear it, that we would embrace it. 
God, I pray that you would give comfort to those that need comfort. Lord, give strength to those that need strength. Lord, in this time of invitation, God, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to move, continue to touch hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.